The contents of this podcast may be mature for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Uh, to my ancestors that's loving me, guiding me, and protecting me on my journey, known and unknown, I love y'all and I thank y'all. Welcome back to The Prayer She Whispered. I'm Nikki Brown, your host. Today we're joined by Akua. She's telling her story of her time in foster care and her in the role prayer played. Welcome, Akua. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. E-hot, but I'm good. E-hot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, today Akua is, Akua is going to be telling us about her experience in South Carolina foster care. Um, I guess before we enter the foster care phase of your life, we need to know a little bit more about you, your background, your family background, because clearly something happened, right, to lead you into to going into foster care. Right. So my background, so I was born and raised in um, Charleston, South Carolina. Um, I'm the youngest of six. And I feel like I had like a normal at least I consider it normal because most of the people around me were going through the same thing, but it wasn't healthy, but I went through, I guess, like the normal black kid in the hood upbringing, mm-hmm. um, Section 8, so didn't really have, like, a lot of money. It was definitely moving back and forth, and I can tell that I definitely put a toll on, on my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mom, she pretty much, she had to take care of she had six kids she pretty much had to figure out ways to take care of all of us um and that wasn't the best situation especially since when she had her first child that was a result of rape and the reason why i'm bringing that up because now as an adult like i realized why i went through so much stuff because it's like her trauma just passed on to all the rest of her kids um but she had her first child when she was like 12 and that was a result of rape and looking back, just knowing my uh, my family history, most of the women in my family have been like raped or sexually assaulted. So did y'all um, so grow I, up? I'm sorry. Did y'all grow up knowing that um, your older sibling was the result of rape, or did y'all find that so out? So we, so we did, and it goes back to how I say like my family was real. I don't want to say toxic. I feel like that's like people overuse it now. My family was real unhealthy when it comes to traumatic situations. So since I was little, people would always make fun of my mom and be like. Um, oh, you lied and said you got raped. The man put something, because she always say like he put something in her Kool-Aid. And, you know, as a kid, you know, you just laugh and giggle because everybody else in the family is laughing and giggling. And so you can get a little bit older. I'm like, hold on, that is, that's not really funny. And then right. it's like, she, my mom was 12, and the person that raped her was like a grown man. He was in his 30s, and it was actually her mom's friend. Wow. So I'm just like, that was really crazy how they tried to like normalize it and make it seem like, you know, my mom was crazy, right. even though really, no, she, she was really right, assaulted. And right. the fact that the whole family turned it into a joke, wow. you know, um, and, and now and now I kind of like see why she went through so much as, as an adult, because even then, you know, that traumatic situation, I'm not trying to make excuses for her, but... If I was raped at that young age, nobody believed me, I probably would be diving into alcohol and drugs as well. Because it's like, where's your outlet to, like, hope when the person that gave birth to you pretty much was like, you're lying. Right. You know, and now, you know, you having a whole child when you're, like, 12. Right. You ain't so even finished. Like that. Yeah, you ain't even finished right. developing yet. But you, you got a whole baby now. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. Um. 
so that that definitely caused a lot of it caused a lot of trauma, especially since you know she my mom didn't really she would talk about it, but she didn't have the vocabulary to like talk about it in a healthy way because nobody put her in therapy. Um, so I saw how it just trickled down because by the time she was, I want to say she had me at 28. She already, I was her youngest, I was her last child. So she already, I want to say she had three kids by the time she was 19. Wow. Um, but again, it's going back to if you had a child at 12 and by a groom behind men, that pattern might continue with other grown men because, I mean, nobody put you in therapy and told you that this wasn't your fault. Mm-hmm. You know, so now you're just looking at, well, might as well keep it up or do do what I can okay so that's a little bit and, be, and because of that though I would say even my relationship with my siblings is, is weird because my mom was 12 of course so it's not like she could like take care of a baby on her own mm-hmm. um but that's another thing that's to say like I'm really unlearning all this, this stuff that can I curse yeah girl. Keep it PG? Oh, okay so I'm, I'm unlearning <laughs> I'm unlearning all this shit all the like unhealthy shit that my family like joked about and made it seem normal Cause even then they always were like, get on my mom when you didn't raise your first three kids. I mean, but she was a fucking kid. You expect a 12 year old to get an apartment? <laughs> like that makes no fucking sense. Like, of mm-hmm. course, you know, you should step in as a grandparent and like, of course help raise her. But it's like, even the way she raised like my, um, my three um, older siblings, it was like, she raised them, but it was like, she raised them in a way to like, kind of hate our mom like so, say well this is her fault when right. i'm just so they like lot, she was a kid they had a lot of resentment towards your mom that your that maybe your grandmother instilled in them yes definitely and it's and it's crazy because like everybody see her as a saint and i'm just like hold up now because i mean this still your child so like what did you do right. during her childhood right. but yeah like they definitely because even i'm um, like growing up like my the kids that my siblings that my grandma raised, they don't even call out my mom. They call her by her, um, by her, well, if you don't know my mom, know her, people call her Katie, because that's like her name. But mm-hmm. if you know her, know her, people call her Dee. Mm-hmm. And that's what her oldest kids call her. And, and she would even tell us, you know, like, that our grandma wouldn't let them call her mom. Um, and looking back, my now I would just say, I don't know if that was just her keeping it or just what, but my mom used to keep, like, a lot of scrapbooks. And it was, like, letters that my siblings would write when they were younger saying, you know, like, calling her mom. So I can kind of see it. Because I wasn't born yet, but I can see it could be some truth to that. Mm-hmm. But they they didn't call her mom. They called her by her um, by her first name. And it definitely was always a lot of tension growing up. And just from hearing um, my mom's side of the story, um, I guess it was tension because my grandma wanted to, they, she didn't want my mom to even let everybody know that was her child. She wanted to raise her as her sibling. Mm-hmm. But she was like, no, nah, fuck that. Because I can tell at a, at a family function like a funeral or something y'all gonna kind of like that Medea movie with Lil Bow Wow yeah mm-hmm. it, it, it would end up in that situation right. so she was like fuck that she gonna know that I'm your damn mama right right like, right so but, so by the time so at 19 your mom had three kids at, yeah at that time did she go out on her own um like how was how was it like growing up for you and I guess the two older siblings above you, did the, the, the three um, older siblings stay with your grandmother? Yeah. So the three, so this is, this is, is, is real weird. Mm-hmm. So the oldest three, and I don't know if you're going to edit it out. If not, I mean, I'm comfortable with you putting her name on here. I mean, um, I, if you, I, 
okay, you, you, whatever you want to do is is fine with me. Um, but I would just I don't want to. Um, that's up to you. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just gonna share share my truth. Okay. Um, so my three oldest siblings, Vakisha, she's the oldest. Is Vakisha, Devon, and Pam. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were raised. I was Keisha and Devon was completely raised by my grandmother. But Pam ended up going back into foster care, and they had to send her to New York because my mom. Um, so my mom was growing up. My great grandmother moved them all to New York. So her. Um, so Keisha, Devon, and Pam was raised in New York up until Pam was. 14, 15, my grandma ended up kicking her out, which is cra- also crazy. And this will tie back into how we end up in foster care, just on like the family history. Mm-hmm. Because mind you now, my grandmother lives in Venezuela, which is like three hours away from Charleston. Mm-hmm. Why would you send her to foster care all the way back in New York when she has a whole family three hours away? Right. Um, so, but, but I was like 11, 10 at the time, so I didn't really know the dynamics. But and, and we would always go like back and forth down there, so like we had a relationship. But you know, it's different when you're raised with them versus just visiting them. Right. Um, but my grandma ended up sending Pam away, and from what, for what Pam told me was like she was just treated differently. Um, and just going back to you know Keisha, she was the she was the first grandchild, and my grandma kind of wanted to raise her like that was her child. So you know she literally got everything. Like she, grandma bought her her first car. Grandma bought her a house. Um, she didn't really get paid anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I feel like with any child, even if you don't say it, they can see the, the differences. Yep. So I feel like with any child, you're going to act out. You know, you're going to act out. You're going to cut up. Like, why she can do this and you give her that, but you're not giving me anything. Um, so, yeah. So instead of sending Pam, you know, to live with her siblings and her mom, which is three hours away, she ended up sending her to New York. And I don't know if that was my grandmother's way of, like, hurting Pam or trying to hurt my mom. But clearly, that was, like, a real traumatic situation for Pam. Because, I mean, she, like, even though, like, our mom and I grew up in New York, we never, like, I never experienced New York at all. So, that's, it was kind of like you sending her really to a foreign place. Like, she never knew that, knew anybody there. And to be in a group home when she has family, to me, that was just, like, a, a slap in the face. And I could see how that, that hurt her. So, long story short, short though, my mom ended up getting Pam. And um, she ended up getting Pam, and Pam ended up living with us when she was, like, 14, I want to say either 15, 16. Um, she ended up getting her out of foster care in New York, and she ended up living with us. Wow. Now, again, my yes, it was good that she ended up getting her, but, again, being that Pam was raised by our grandmother, um, and I, my family has this tendency to, like, instead of – holding yourself accountable for what you did is like you want to place blame on other people so that wasn't really their relationship was was the same as my mom relationship with her mother it wasn't always peaches and cream right um it was better as they got older but it wasn't always peaches and cream it was a lot of tension and also you know pam didn't really she didn't and i would say she didn't really hold any resentment towards our grandmother because you know she saw her as somebody that saved her um no, saved her from save her from what or from who? Um, I guess from my mom. You know, cause from the stuff that from the stuff that our grandmother told us was that our mother was on drugs. She was doing a bunch of craziness. I have never seen my mother like on drugs. I have seen her drunk, but I've never seen her on drugs. Okay. Um, but that's but that's the story. But I've never seen her do that, and just just seeing how you send a whole child to foster care like literally had a plan 
Mm. They had a, a plane. I didn't know you can do that. A plane yeah. came down so, to take Pam from, the, from Venezuela. What? Why? It like, took the, her all the way from Tio. Because our, our grandma didn't. She said she was just, um, she was unruly. She was acting out. So how? Instead of just sending her to a mom. How she, but the way the system works is, Venezuela is in South Carolina, correct? Yeah. But I, I guess because Pam was born in New York and our grandma never legally adopted Pam. It was just kind of like, um, cause my mom, she wasn't, she wasn't in a, in a right mental state. Like, like I said, I never seen her Did drugs, she but that was always like a, the case. Was your, and your mom was from New York too? Yeah, she was born mm-hmm. and raised in New York. But okay. she was in Charleston now when, um, by the time that happened, but it was 15, we was right. right up in Charleston. So she, she could have easily, like, even without going to DSS, like, yeah. she yeah. could have easily, like, hey, your daughter's cutting, cutting the fuck up. I'm getting old. Come get her. But nope. She called, and I don't know how it went. And that's why I say, like, you, yeah, like, so to me, odd. that's evil. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's evil as hell. Like, I don't, I don't give a fuck what Pam did as a child. Like, that's evil as fuck. Like, you really called some, called whoever you, you did to have her get shipped from fucking Venezuela when she had family three hours away to New York. Like that shit was crazy. And in the story she told me, like, um, thankfully Pam wasn't in there that long. I think she was in there for like a year, but like That's a the long story time. she told me it that, is. That's it, a long really, time to be in foster care. In New in in New York in a group home. I don't know, I think my friend froze. I said so she was in a group home in foster care in New York. Yes. For a year. Yes. That's a long yes. time. Yeah, because it, it, took, it took a whole year because my grandmother fought it. She didn't want my mom to get Pam. Because, again, mm-hmm. you know, the, the conversation I was kept up, oh, well, she was on drugs, so she got her turn, took away, this and that, this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, but she ended up fighting and was able to, um, to you know, to get her. Because, I mean, why let a child suffer in foster care if she has a parent that, you know, wants to, wants wants to, to get her? her. Yeah. Um. So Pam came to live with us, and and again, just just sharing that could yeah. kind of give you a, a little scope of the mentality of our grandmother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't always peaches and cream. They um they definitely used to um argue a lot. Same with uh with me, with most of us, we used to argue a lot with our mom because she had I would say she definitely had an alcohol problem mm-hmm. and. It amplified when she when she got with this dude, um, and and just looking back at it, I want to say maybe that that just came from her childhood trauma. You know, black people don't go to therapy. Instead, we find different ways to cope with our trauma, like smoking, drinking. Um, you know, we don't go to therapy. We just find other ways to cope. That's just my theory on it, and that definitely put a strain in our relationship. So when Pam came to live with us. She kind of took on like the motherly role, um, just because I mean, <laughs> like our mom was like drunk. It was like, what? You can't really raise kids when you you're not mentally there. Mm-hmm. So Pam kind of took Pam kind of took on that responsibility, but at the same time, she was a kid, so that wasn't her job. Right. Um, but that happens a so, lot in black families too, though. Um, that that yeah. oldest child or that that the older sibling in the house typically tends to parentify when the parents are always at work or using drugs, alcohol, that type of thing. 
that's out to, yeah. for me I don't think I've, I've, I've seen and witnessed that and experienced that um, a lot and it's not fair because it's like you, you rob the um the oldest child out of their childhood like mm-hmm. even though they're the older child and like yeah you're responsible for your younger siblings but not like a responsible as an initial child type responsibility yep. you know yep. but but i but i really do i appreciate fam because she definitely like was the one that stood in like it was plenty of times where um it was time to go back to school, and we didn't have no back-to-school clothes, and Pam was just working at Bojangles. And I would like to point out, also, mind you, even though we had family members, grandma, older sister, um, brother in the military, Pam did, did what she did what she can do to make sure we at least had something, because, you know, that's the main thing kids get teased for. You know, if you, especially first day of school, you know, that's the day everybody's trying to stunt. So, you know, you come into school, and your shoes raggy or your clothes tear up, it's like... You either about to fight your way out of getting bullied or you just finna get bullied because it's like everybody can see it. So yeah. Pam definitely did what she tried to do what she can do to um to provide to for help y'all. us in that situation because yeah, because yeah, for some reason mom didn't like she provided a, a house, but she definitely did provide like a it wasn't a home situation for for any of us growing up. It wasn't it wasn't healthy. Right. Um. And we ended up in, I'll say we ended up in foster care because her drinking just got out of, it got out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just got real out of control. And, and, and again, I don't, I don't even know what the trigger was because a lot of things that I noticed with, um, with, at least with the, my family, I don't know everybody family like this, but they don't like to talk about their childhood. I don't know because it's so traumatic, yeah. but, um. But I'm the type of person I always ask why, because I need to understand. Like, why you why you act that way? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, mm-hmm. but nobody likes to talk, so, I, you know, I'm just theorizing, like, why, like, maybe just the fact that, you know, her relationship with her mom got to her, her dad, I don't know. Because um, even her, her own dad, like, when I try to ask her about my grandfather, she'd be like, you know, he's a, um, he's a, um, a child abuser. So I'm just like, okay. Um, and that's so all she, she give you. Don't 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 know his name. Don't know where you're from. The family background. Yeah, she, that. she showed me a picture of him, and she um I know his name. His mm-hmm. name was Leroy. I believe it was Leroy Lamont. His name was Lamont, not Leroy Lamont. Um, but it was just he was a child child abuser. Kind of short. It wasn't really no no background. And, and even in the picture though, he did look mean as fuck. Like he was mugging that same fucking mm. mug my mama got. Oh <laughs> like he been mugging. Like that motherfucker had looked mean as <laughs> mean as hell. <laughs> <laughs> so he probably was. But um, but yeah, she didn't really give give any insights. But I would say it definitely her drinking got worse. Um, and it was to a point that me and me and my other sister. We ran away. So, um, because I remember the exact day that led up to us going into foster care. Okay. So, Pam Pam was pregnant at this time. I want to say she was 17, 18. She was pregnant with um with her first child. Um, so she was back and forth between our house and her um her baby daddy house. But mm-hmm. he and shit, nigga been hella toxic. You know, right. kind of following the same patterns of our mom and grandma, choosing right. toxic niggas. Um. Yeah. And she was having, she thought she was having contractions that day. So my mom was going to take her to the hospital, but you didn't know she was drunk. So that ended up being like a, a crazy, I want to say we almost died that day because 
she was driving drunk. We were supposed to go to the hospital and we drove. Thankfully, we made it over the bridge, but we didn't. We never made it to the hospital. She ended up, like, our mom ended up crashing the car. Um, and we took the opportunity to, like, get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And mind you, her boyfriend was right there, didn't, you know, bother to help at all. So, in just... the car, and I'm just trying to paint the picture. In the car was your mom driving, your pregnant sister and her baby daddy, you and one of your other sisters? So, my mom was driving, and my mom boyfriend was in the passenger side. Okay. Pam was in the back. Um, Ebony was in the back. Naomi was with Keisha for the summer, our older sister. So, it was just me, Pam, Ebony, our mom driving, and her boyfriend. Okay. So, she was supposed to drive Pam to the hospital because, you know, something was going on. She thought she was about to have um, going to labor, but we never made it. She was, like, drunk out of her mind. Um, long story short, she just ended up crashing the car, but it was still movable, but we, we got the fuck. And, it, and this is so crazy. And and that's why when a child tells me something, I'm not saying kids don't lie, but when a child tells me something, I tend to believe them yeah. unless, you know, they give me a reason not to because when that happened, you know, we told Pam to stay in the car. Me and Emily got out of the car and tried to get help. And was telling them, you know, hey, like, you know, my mom is fucking crazy. She's out of it. We need help. And everybody, we went to the gas station. They, and my mom came and running after us. And they was cheering our mom on, like, yeah, beat them bad kids. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> like, what is going on? So wow. it's like, the community definitely was no fucking help. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. so we just, we got Pam ass out of the car. And from there on, um, how the fuck did we get back home? I want to say the police took us home. Um, but, and, and it's so crazy, and that's, and that's probably why I don't drink at all to this day, but mm-hmm. she, my mom does not remember shit that happened, wow. but after that happened, you know, Pam went to go stay either with her baby daddy or her friend, and me and Ebony ran away, I ran away to, um, which is, I know it's crazy as fuck, but I was 12 at the time, but I ran away to my boyfriend's house, because he was, he was in a similar situation. Like, I want to say, I don't know if his mom was an alcoholic, but there was something going on. So he was staying with, like, his older cousin. Mm-hmm. But she was, like, way older, so she was raising him. And we went there. And from there on, of course, you know, she don't know. We're not blood-related. So DSS was like, well, no, bitch, that can't happen. You technically kidnapped him. Even though, like, we ran away and so, went there. So yo, yo, somebody ended up calling the police and telling DSS No, that- my mom... My mom did. My mom did. That, and, and I want to say, and I think, and I think my cousin, I think the cousin ended up calling DSL letting them know, like, hey, we have them here. Um, they're fine. And we went to, um, so we had to go to, we wasn't at DSS. It was some other office. I guess because this happened in Somerville. So maybe it was DSS, but I guess it was the Somerville, the Chester County office. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there on, you know, because after that, I was like, no, I really don't want to go back with her. Like, what the fuck? So from there on, you know, they put us in, they put us in foster care. I know Naomi was mad as shit because she was with Keisha that whole time. So she didn't know what was going on, but she knew that our mom, like it, like it wasn't no secret. And our mom was not the only one who was an alcoholic. It's either most of them, most of the people in my family are alcoholics or recovering alcoholics. And they like to act like they never tested drink in their life because, you know, they found Jesus. But that's just the thing, like in my family, a lot of them, they either alcohol or some, or some type of drug to help cope with their trauma. Mm. Um, so we end up, so that, that was the start of us end up going into foster care. Um, and even that was so, and I just said like, DSS irks my fucking soul mm. because Pam wanted to get us, even I know she was young, you know, 17, but they, they wasn't trying to help her at all. Like she, she was the only one, even, and also mind you, my older sister Keisha, 
like I said, our grandma got her house. So she had she had a whole house, three story. She wasn't wow. trying to get us, you know. She, you said fuck she, that. But no, she wasn't trying to get us at all. But Pam, you know, seventeen and pregnant, barely a house of her own. But she was trying to get us, and, and DSS wasn't trying to help her at all. Um, so we just end up going to foster care, and we end up going to Jenkins Orphanage, mm-hmm. and that's what I feel like. It's fucked up. I went through that, but I really feel like the ancestors been with me even before I knew the calling their name. Because when I got older, I realized that Daniel Jenkins was a group home that was created by Gullah Geechee Man in like the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it wasn't for that group home, I probably would have been separated from my siblings, which I eventually was, because I want to say I guess every child handles trauma differently, mm-hmm. but. All that just made me angry as hell. So I was constantly fighting in there. And then kids are mean as shit. Like, I think they changed it now. But when we was in Jenkins, the school bus will pull inside the fucking group home. So everybody knew you was in foster care. Wow. It wasn't like you can just hide it. Right. It was like, oh, she in foster care. Why are you in there? You know, and it's like, like my it was, it was Right. You know? It wasn't no um, anonymity to 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 you situation like the the school mm-hmm. si- the school system just was like we just gonna drop these kids off at this at this group home um that clearly says jenkin orphan as soon as you fucking pull yes. in to the damn thing yes. and so now yes, all, and I'm, all, wow yes yeah and i think i was the only one that that took the bus but mm. i think everybody else was getting dropped off um, and, that, and that's when Brentwood was in middle school. I was going to Brentwood at the time. Anybody knows Brentwood? That was like, listen, yeah, that, Brentwood that, ain't been no fucking joke. Yeah, no, that that was the uh, middle school when you'd be like, oh, you go to Brentwood? Oh, okay, that's the hood, hood school, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, Brentwood ain't been no motherfucking joke. Mm-hmm. So like, I was constantly, and I wasn't getting in trouble with teachers. I was just constantly just like having to defend myself, like constantly just like fighting. I appreciate Jenkins because it allowed me and my siblings to stick together. But and this is why I go back to Jenkins, not Jenkins, the is trash. I got into a fight at Brentwood and, um, and, I, and I remember his name. We went to school with him, but his bitch ass. So if you hear this Aaron, I forgot what his last name was. Dark skinned Aaron. Was it Moore? What was it Brown? I forgot his last name, but it was Aaron. Cause like I said, people, everybody knew I was in, I was in, I was at Jenkins Orphanage could be all put up and he just kept picking at me, picking at me. I'm like, you know, I could box the fuck out this nigga. And I did. I boxed the fuck out his ass. <laughs> so we've been, we've been some tussling motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> he deserved it. It's okay. So I, <laughs> he really did. He really, really yeah. fucking did. Yeah. Um, and so I end up, you know, they have police at the thing. So I, and what's so crazy? The police officer did not want to take me to jail. He he knew I was in foster care as well. He knew my story. Um, and even the people at the group home, they was ready to come get me. But my caseworker said, take her ass to fucking jail. What? Her name was Internet McCutcheon. Something like that with her bitch ass. I hope you suffering right now. Yes. She Listen, she was a bitch. Even, even when we got in, she barely believed us about like what happened with our mom. Like She was a complete bitch. Like and that's I'm just like why 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 are you in this field again? Right. But and that, and that irks to me, me too. To that irks me. That irks, that boils my blood because uh, there are so many case managers in the system who really don't give a fuck about the kids that they serve, and that <laughs> that pisses me off to no return because it's like. Why are you even in this profession if yes. you're not here to serve the children 
uh, that's why we're here, isn't it? When you apply for the job, <laughs> that's what they tell you was going to be doing. But yeah, that shit, that irks me so much. Yeah, she was definitely one of them. Like, her name, I want to say her name was Antonette McCutcheon, but, um, and it was so crazy, because even, like, the police officer didn't want to take me to jail. Wow. The um, staff at the group home was ready to come get me, but she mm-hmm. told him, no, take her out to jail. Um, so, so then, I so, went to fucking jail, and everybody was like, what the so now not only are you a part of DSS system, you're not part of DJJ system. Yes, yes. Because it I wouldn't a... say like a, a good 60% of mine in foster care, um, I was in detention centers because I kept on, they put me in, because even before before I touch on that, so she sent me to jail. Mm-hmm. And from there on out, she wouldn't let me go back to Jenkins with my siblings. So they, they started putting me in foster homes. But I'm the type, and I don't want, and I wonder if this is my gift from the ancestors. But I can see bullshit before the bullshit happens. So <laughs> it's like, because like number one, you put me in a in a foster home with this woman, and she got a, a husband, and he looks sketchy. Bitch, I'm not staying here. Right. <laughs> like, period. But it's like nobody will listen to me. It's like, oh, you're just a kid in foster care. You're fighting in rebellions. We don't. You're not listening to any of your concerns. And I'm just like, no, bitch. I'm not staying here. I do not feel comfortable. And we'll listen, so I ran the fuck away. I'm like, okay, you want to listen? I'll get your attention. So I ran away. Yeah. Um, and she just kept placing me in shit that was not that I can already tell wasn't going to be a good situation. And one lady even said my first day there, just because I had like that fight on my record, she was like, um, oh, I know you ain't gonna do that because I'll punch you in your face. Like my first fucking day, and I'm like, oh, oh, her. <laughs> so I ran away. Oh my god. I'm just like. I'm not about to stay here and our first, your first time meeting me, my first time coming to your home and you're going to tell me you're going to punch me in my face. Right. If you hit me, bitch, I'm going to hit you back. Yeah. Like, period. Yeah. So I kept constantly running away. And of course, you know, and, and this is why I also didn't change this law. When kids run away, they lock them up. Instead of getting to the bottom, okay, why are you running away? Um, I ran away and by fact, that same lady, because she, she was in Somerville, I ran away. They called the police to me. I lied to you not. It was about 10 cop cars. They had a gun out on me um, just because I ran away. And oh mind you, God. I'm not that big. Well, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a little thick now. You know, I'm grown. But when I was not like 12, really. I was probably like 80 fucking pounds. I was like 85. Yeah, you small. <laughs> you small. You know, so, <laughs> so I'm just like, y'all got fucking guns out and wondering why I don't, I'm not trying to go with y'all. Like, <laughs> the fuck is this? Wow. But um, but yeah, so that led me to like be in and in and out to the point like the staff at the teacher center was like, don't don't let the um don't let DJJ raise you now. I'm just like, listen, it's is it's either here or being in a foster home that I just I can't fuck with. Um, and so because I kept running away, we went to court, and that's and that and that one really had made me cry. Cause Pam came to court with us, um. And again, trying to advocate for me to go with her, but they mm-hmm. wouldn't let her. And my casework was actually advocating. She told the judge to let me stay in jail. But thankfully, I don't know what judge that was, but she said, um, this is your job to find her a placement, you know. Um, but she really wanted me to stay in jail because instead of listening to me and putting me all these fucking crazy-ass foster homes, um, and I guess she was tired of me running away, but the judge basically told her, no, find a place. So her solution was to put me in a foster home further from Charleston. I guess she thought, like, slave mess mentality. Well, take her, put her somewhere that she's not familiar with. So I was all the way in a group home in, like, some some town called North District. I don't even know where the fuck that's at. I still, mm-hmm. I, I will probably have to Google that shit. Some town called North District. 
And it's probably and, not even existing yeah. no more because it don't sound familiar. Right. Don't even exist. And that was like the worst shit ever. It was um it was a black family. It was an older black lady. And and but again, this is why I don't like staying in a place if there's like a lot of males, because I just feel like that's just that just and I'm not saying all males would have the you know, are rapists, but nine some out of ten foster kids, you know, and, and I was raped repeatedly when I was in North District in this foster home with this old lady by her grandsons. Um, and so, of course, like, I just started acting out because nobody, nobody was listening to me. Okay. So, after spending, and this is me just trying to conceptualize everything you just said. Um, after entering foster care, you start to run away. Um, after you pretty much was forced into the djj system because of fighting um yeah you you were placed at in multiple different foster homes where you didn't feel comfortable didn't feel safe so you fled which led to you to to get more time in to detention centers um until a judge said no dss find her a placement um because that's y'all's job and then right. when they finally did find that placement, it was in an unfamiliar town. In a, it was a foster home or a group home? A foster home. In a foster home. And did you say that this old woman's grandsons, plural? Well, she yeah, she had two grandsons that lived in the same house as, as me at the time. There was only one that was raping me. It was okay. her oldest. So how how long did you stay in this home? I want to say I was in there for about, I want to say two to three months. Wow. Um, two to three months. And the only reason why I finally was able to leave, because, like, I had to, like, I just, like, physically fought that lady one day. Because it was just, like, and then from the start of it, it was all, it was already, I already knew it was going to be bullshit. And because, like, you know, I'm all the way in North District. Where the fuck that at? Mm-hmm. Coming from Charleston. So I had a heavy, my accent was even cheer back then and she automatically assumed I didn't know how to read so that had already pissed me off and so she gave me like a book and I read it and she was just you know like like I'm fucking five like oh my goodness you know how to read I'm like duh bitch I'm 12 (laughs) like (laughs) at that time like I did my facial expression you know so I would just like I would just act out like that was the way my family expressed when they were upset so I did the same shit you know I, Mm -hmm. I, I just acted out so between her, I feel like emotional abuse, and then her fucking grandson, um, sexually abusing me, and I feel like, and I feel like she knew what was happening because literally our room was across from each other. Her room was on the other side. I would even ask to sleep in her bed. She wouldn't let me. And I'm just like, so you like, are you like just giving your fucking grandson access to me at this point? Because yeah. it's like it, to me, it, it it never made fucking sense. Like never, how, never made sense. How many? times if you had to quantify how many times did he abuse you I lost track honestly like his bed was across from mine so once his little brother was asleep he would come into my bed um and then he'll be like nobody will believe me and he was right like his his grandma treated them like they were fucking kings like so not even a week um after you got there he started to abuse you and you yeah. y'all were all three of y'all in the same room 
No, so my room was across from his. Mm-hmm. Um, he shared a room with his little brother. I got you. But um, but our room was like directly, not even that Close far enough. apart. Yeah. So he could easily just get up, go to go to my room. Like his grandmother's room, though, it was all the way around the house. And yeah. that's why I would ask her, like, shit, can I sleep with you then? And she would just be like, no. And so I'm just like, so I really felt like, like, when I ended up fighting her, because um, I, I low-key just felt like she knew what was happening. And I wouldn't be surprised if he if he done that to other girls. Right. Just the fact it didn't take him that long. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm just like, mm. how? So at this time you was 12, how old was her grandson? I want to say he was like 15, 16. Did you ever tell your case? I, I, this is just a question, but I, I probably know the answer to it. Did you ever tell your case manager or anybody at the time? I didn't tell her because at this point, it's like, like I really like I hated that bitch. I did mm-hmm. not trust her because she didn't listen to anything like I said. Um, but I did. I ended up telling the police officer because when me and when the foster mom got into you, the cops was called, um, and they do shit real different out there. Because um, I ended up going to jail in that county after I, after I fought her. Even I was defending my fucking self. Like, this bitch picked up a lamp. And she was like, she threw the lamp at me. Thankfully, I fucking ducked. Yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, And when the police was called, um, and he was real cool, though. I ended up telling him um, what he was. It was like two of them. The other one was, a, was an asshole. And he was saying, well, if you don't... Um, he was just kind of threatening me, saying, well, you know, I can have you sitting in jail for a whole year. Like, no court, no nothing. They were just saying, well, I can just have you sitting in jail. Um, so I eventually just ended up calming down. I told the other, you know, this police officer, like, what was going on? Because I'm just like, I don't want to fucking be here. Like, I want to be with my siblings. I don't even know none of these bitches out here. Like, <laughs> the fuck? I'm all the way in North District. I don't know anything out here. Like, this motherfucker every, coming in my damn bedroom every fucking night. Like, this bitch giving me hand claps every time I read something as if like I'm fucking slow and I'm just like <laughs> but I legit was really just sitting there like I didn't have a court date I didn't have a court date or nothing I was just sitting in there I, and, and it was so crazy though I want to say for like a month and it was wow. so crazy though because everybody in there was kind of low-key scared of me because I was from Charleston and anybody that wanted to act tough they was like oh don't fuck with me I'm from Charleston and I'm just like what the fuck Charleston got to do about anything like so like yeah I don't I don't know what it is but for some reason Charleston really has this reputation of just being wild I guess mm. um but I want to say I was sitting there for about a month and then then she tried out I was and I was in another then she put me in another foster home um before she finally put me in a group home and this group home this foster home was in James Island and it was like on a farm mm-hmm. but the lady been the lady been cuckoo for cocoa puffs. Like I don't know what's the requirement to like be a foster parent. <laughs> like like out of the bazillion I was in, wow. a lot of them was fucking crazy. Wow. Like in like insane. Like they put me one in Conway. I ended up running away as well because it was it, my and I ran away from that one because and this was and this was just my test for all my foster mom just to see. I was like, hey, can I call my siblings? And she told me no. And I'm like, okay, this is not a good sign. And I'm like, I'm all the way out here in fucking Conway. Mm-hmm. And I can't call my siblings. So, bitch, okay, I ain't staying here. When I say my ancestors really, even watching me before I knew how to call on them. Because when I say, like, I ran away and I didn't know where the fuck I was going. Anybody could have snatched my ass up. I could have been, like, one of them missing kids. Last mm-hmm. seen at such and such. And 10 years, nobody still knew where the fuck I was at. Because um, I don't even, like... 
I don't even know how the fuck I'm still alive. Like the places wow. I like, like I didn't, I didn't have to hit out, hide out in woods, um, just to get away. Cause like the foster home that they had, just it was not, it was not safe. And and when I tried to like, when I tried to talk to like either the police officer or the caseworker, it was like my concerns fell on deaf ears. Right. Um. It was just never happening. And then I guess she got tired of me running away. So she ended up actually, and this is why I like, I want to say her name, Internet McCutcheon, if I ever catch this bitch in the street, even though I'm, I feel like I'm on a healing journey. I am on a healing journey from all that trauma, but I could box her ass in her fucking throat. <laughs> she ended up, she, she put me in, I'm super late, <laughs> right in her throat. She ended up putting me in a, um, in a mental institution because I kept running away. And right, and I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? And 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 I'll never forget that shit. Cause when 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 they was taking me there, um, you know, I was upset. I was mad as fuck. I'm just like, you put me in here for what? Just cause like I'm not. I don't want to stay at these places where I'm not comfortable at. I lie to you not. Dumb people gave me some kind of like orange liquid because I was just so angry and upset. And I, cause my caseworker, she was, she had to like process me. So she was like, what? And I'm just like, I, I was cursing her ass out. I'm just like, you fucking bitch. Like you putting me through all this shit. And and I'm just like, damn. Ain't nobody listening to me. None of my concerns. Girl, them people put some, they held me down and put some fucking orange liquid in my mouth. And I lie to you not. I woke up in the front, no, I was in the front office. When I woke up, I was in the bed. And I didn't carry myself in the bed. I don't know how long I was out. They could have did what the fuck ever they wanted. But it was some kind of orange liquid that they forced at my throat. And I was out. Mm. I was out like a light. So they and sedated I'm just like, you because you were upset. They restrained you and sedated you. And then you woke up just not coherent of how you even got to where you were yes and i'm just like what the flying fuck that's how i know them places the mental institutions and all them places they be putting kids in there who ain't nothing wrong with them but it's like adults don't want to deal with their trauma especially like foster care kids because there was a lot of black kids in there that was in there for foster care and i'm like hey what you in here for shit running away fighting and i'm just like the fuck a lot of what you are saying is stuff that's still happening in the foster care system now not to the same extent, thankfully, because um, there, there, there has been some systemic changes, but it ain't been that much <laughs> change. So when I, when I hear you talk, I hear the stories of children who I've worked with, too, and just how up until, you know, I became a part of their life. Like you said, their their concerns, their trauma, their uh, stories were falling on deaf ears. But I think a lot of times, coming from the other side of it, case managers, um, people who are responsible for figuring out what to do with a child who um, probably can't go home right now um, because of a situation... And is acting out because of her environment and her her trauma and the fact that she do want to go home and the fact that all this shit is happening and ain't nobody listening and I gotta fight 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 fight. That's a whole to- like that's a whole tool that sometimes as adults now we we understand that as adults, but as a twelve year old, you ain't trying to hear none of that logical theory none of that and so they they look at that cyclic behavior of running away and running away and running away and they don't they're not really doing anything to solve it 
or get to the bottom of it, like you said. And then in their heads, and this still happens today in their heads, it's, oh, let's look at an inpatient residential facility. Let's look at a high management group home where they do have the ability to uh, restrain either physically or chemically um, this child. And it's really, it's really fucked up. But thankfully in South Carolina, some kids decided a few years ago, like, I guess having conversations like this with each other, like that happened to you too in foster care? Oh, we listen. This ain't this ain't about to go down like that. And so, South Carolina foster care got sued, and so now they are being forced to reform their entire system because of children like you, um, who had such fucked up experiences in foster care that is just not acceptable, like at all. I appreciate you telling me the story, um, because. I work closely with the foster care system and I've been just witnessing just the disservice that not only the child welfare system, but the juvenile justice system, the hospital, the, the, um, healthcare system, the law enforcement, like all of these, all of these different, the legal system, all these different systems that work together that's supposed to be serving the children are really either fucked up because they don't know exactly what to do, but they have all these good-hearted people like you and me who's in the system that really wants to figure it out, but it's all getting tangled in all of this bureaucratic bullshit. And it's like, how do we really solve these problems? And And it's so fucking scrambled that the answer becomes... We don't fucking know. And it's a lot of we yeah. don't fucking know going on in a system that really is alarming <laughs> to say the least. It is and it's so and it's so frustrating because it's like and then I will also say that really opened my eyes because when I when I thought of a group home could just be like shit I saw on media, I didn't think it was like a lot of black kids, but every foster home I would in and from after I was out of that um that mental institution they put me in a group home in Columbia. Mm-hmm. Majority of the kids in there were black. Yeah. And it was a code ad group home. And that was a high maintenance group home which you talked about because of the shit they put on my record. So I was considered high maintenance. But girl when I tell you it was so much sexual abuse going in that group home by fucking staff members. I don't know if all high maintenance group homes are like this, but the group home I was in you had to, um, you start out on level one, and then as you get good behavior, you can, you know, you go to a higher level, you can get phone calls and extra privilege, you can leave campus and whatnot. I know, even though I wasn't, I wasn't really that much of a trouble by the time I was in there, but I was still considered just like high maintenance because I had a history of running away, so I was mm-hmm. never allowed to go to school. I had to go to school campus, it really wasn't shit. But, and high maintenance group home, I would say to me, just like, it's the next level to a fucking jail and there was no type of like therapy session like every sunday it was a fight i don't know why but that was like church for us every fucking sunday i guarantee you somebody's gonna fight Hmm. and and it was common it was known that a lot of people would run away especially the girls they'll run away go with some dude and come right back nobody give the fuck like so it was just like that shit was weird but then they definitely did medicate us like they they had a 
fucking pill system had collections of it, and if you and if you didn't listen to them, they'll even threaten you with it. Or I'll call the doctor and have them prescribe you certain medication. Like, and I wasn't allowed because you know, my caseworker was full of shit, so I wasn't allowed to go to school. So I had to go to school on campus, but it really wasn't nothing. I was in eighth grade. Girl, the fucking teachers they had me was giving us coloring sheets. Fucking one, two, threes. I'm just like, and that's the big. I'm like, bitch, I won't go to school. Like, what the fuck is like, this? Yeah, like, I, I, nobody... I'm trying to do something with my life. <laughs> yeah, and I was always that type. Like, you can't punish me with reading because I love to read. So, like, I would literally like be in there, like, what the fuck? So, like, we're just being there cutting up. Like, and that's how I know even at school when kids cut up is because you ain't giving them shit to do, mm-hmm. and you're not giving them anything that's stimulating and challenging. Because mm-hmm. we used to just cut up. I'm just like, bitch, we not. No, we ain't finna do this. That shit was a mess, and and. And it was a mess because, like, now as an adult, so many of my peers who was in that group home with me, a lot of them are dead right now. Or some of them, like, they on drugs bad. It's, like, only a few of us that really, like, made made it out. I'm not even going to say it's okay because I'm not okay. But I just feel like I'm not letting my trauma, like, run my life, like, guide my life. Yeah. Um, but a lot of us haven't made it to, like, that healing journey. Yeah. And... And that's why I kind of feel weird because when I go back, because I try to go back to group homes because I, I feel like I can understand what these kids going through, but it makes me feel weird when, like, this, the staff and people who've been there when I was there, like, like oh, you're at the set story. I'm just like, no, I'm not. Because it's like, I'm still coping and healing from all that I've been through. Like, I'm no longer angry about the situation, but I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm over the shit. How are you getting over it? I feel like I'm getting over it by, again, I just... Not letting the trauma, like, not letting it lead me. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I'm I'm in control of it, and I'm learning from some of the stuff I went through. Like, certain stuff, I'm, I still haven't faced yet. Like, like when I was volunteering at Jenkins, I kind of had to take a step back. Because mm-hmm. some of the, you know, the girls, they, they explained to me how, like, they were sexually abused. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to dive into that with them. Because mm-hmm. also, I didn't, I I didn't want to trigger them, and I just, and I didn't dive into that with them. But I said I'm no longer angry about it because I'm learning how to like transform that into into other ways. Right. You know, it's like I can be around here angry. You know, an adult still angry about the shit that I that I experienced in my childhood. I hit on drugs. I hit just beating up motherfuckers and blaming my past. Mm-hmm. Or I can use that to like just drive me to do what I'm doing now. Yeah. Fast forward to now. Um, a, a couple of times during while you were telling your story, you were saying that, you know, the ancestors have always really had your back. Like you might not have, um, known it then, um, but you feel that way now. And so now, how has your um your spiritual journey kind of impacted how like I can tell now that you, like. Like you said, you're you're trying to get through it. You're trying to, you know, not project your trauma onto others, especially since you haven't addressed it fully within yourself. Um, but then, how how has your spiritual journey kind of helped mold you to 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 be able to even do that, like move forward? I would say by learning from it, um, and I know it sounds so so cliche. The people used to talk about this time when I was younger, like, all you, everything you go through is for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, especially at that time at 12, you couldn't tell me that shit. I'm just like, well, just some fucked up shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I feel like 
those things I went through kind of led me on on my journey I'm on now. And my ancestors were with me during that time. Like, I may not have known how to, like, call on their name before I even knew what an ancestor was. But, like, just going back, I would never thought about going to Jenkins if I was never inside of Jenkins. I would have never been concerned about all those kids that's locked up in DJJ on some fucked up charges if I know that I wasn't, that I didn't go through any of that. Um, and I wouldn't have been out here advocating, telling people, you know, hey, like, the sexual abuse rate is extremely high and black girls are the main ones being abused if like I didn't go through that. So just experiencing that was like kinda of, kinda of, I wanna say shaped my path in a way mm-hmm. before I before I knew it. Like I feel like that's what I was put here for. Cause even even back then, like when I was in that group home in Columbia, they was calling me Little Chuck Town because of my accent. Nice to hate that shit, but not look at me now. I'm rubbing Gucci hard as a bitch. Um, <laughs> when <but> you <laughs> when you were during during your time in foster care, did you use prayer at all? Did you pray at all, or do you remember praying at all? Um, so I was always kind of weird with that because my so I was a, I was raped in foster care, but I was also assaulted within my own family in the. And this person is heavy in the church. So, like, I mean, I prayed because, you know, that well, that's what people told us to do. You know, the, um, the Lord is my shepherd. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't nothing heavy. Um, and especially, like, you know, when I was locked up, I feel like, I feel like that's what everybody do when they lock up. You ain't got nothing but time in your hands. So I read the Bible, like, front to back. I even had, like, a little kid's Bible. But, um, so I would, I would pray and stuff. But, but I would say I found most of my comfort zone was in drawing. Like, I would draw and write a lot. Okay. So I would say that was kind of like my therapy and my prayer was me like writing. And even then, like, that's I believe in like manifestation and writing stuff down because I was right down. Like, you know, I'm getting fucked up out of here, um, which is which is where even before like I would run away, like I would have a plan. I would be like, listen, I getting the fuck up out of this bitch. I running away. <laughs> this is what this how it's going to be. <laughs> but I stay here. But so I would say that that's kind of like that was my prayer when I was in those situations, me, um, me writing or drawing my, my reality. Do you use prayer or any manifestation techniques now? What do you do now to help get through your day? I do. And this one thing that I love saying, um, is that I I will always say, um, I will, I will call on my ancestors. I'll be like, my ancestors known and unknown that's loving me, guiding me, and protecting me on my journey. And then, like, I'll ask them, you know, what I need, try to figure out, you know, they can show me what they need. Um, but I usually will start my day with that, even, like, when I'm driving, you know, because anything, anything can happen at any moment, you know? Um, especially, like, after losing, after losing my sister. Like, I really dive, like, heavy, heavy into it because she was into it, too. So I, I make sure to... To talk to them, pretty much I talk to them every day. Okay. Um, I know I might, I might seem a little bit weird to other people, like who she talking to, but I just feel like you know they here, like connected with Everywhere. the whole universe. Yeah. And one thing Pam used to always tell me, it should be like energy doesn't die, only flesh. So mm-hmm. I feel like even if we can't see them, I feel like they like they here. Did you realize that your childhood experiences weren't normal? Honestly, I wouldn't say at a young age, I just knew shit was weird. I can pinpoint like what age, but 
I know a minute so with Camille Pam. Um, oh my goodness, I miss the, the physical Pam so much. Cause me and her, we used to really talk about this, and it's like you know, like we got to change the dynamics. And I want to say, and I re- I remember the conversation that we had. I want to say my earliest memory. I want to say it was, I want to say it was the Christmas or either Thanksgiving at my grandmother's house, and everybody came down. Um, even this particular aunt, but it didn't last long. Like they got into a big argument. Everybody was fussing and arguing, um, and so fighting, carrying on. And I want to say me and Pam was talking. I I don't. I want to say was I a teenager or was it? I was a teen at that time, and we were just saying how, because at the time my siblings they were beefing with each other too, and we was like, you know, look at our aunties and uncles. They barely talk to each other. They always beefing and fighting. You know, we gotta do something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I'm on the same kind of journey you are with trying to um, really get to the bottom of my like my trauma. I feel like I've done a lot of trauma work, and so I can kind of pinpoint a lot of what's going on with me. But now I'm trying to figure out what the fuck happened to my mama. And it's like <laughs> the communication um, part isn't there. Um, we've been working on it, but until you, um, I guess you, you gotta, it's almost like you almost gotta finesse a conversation in order to really get what you need out of it. Um, especially with the elders, as my mom would say. Um, and then it's, and then you also (laughs) have to think about the, the power dynamics of these generations, your mama, her mama, and how, how that, how that look as the the youngest girl in the last generation or the second to the last generation coming to the the elder of the family, forcing her to use words that she don't know how to use yet. Or they might be in her head somewhere, but she's actually never um, manifested them out loud. And And so that could be scary. That could be scary for, you know, a person our age, but we're talking about somebody who was who was maybe raised in an era where words you didn't use your words like that, and if you did, it wasn't it was to get work done, not to do work within yourself. Um, right. So that's that. In social media, we have the the glory, I guess, to to use social media to use our words, even though. It doesn't. We don't necessarily have to use our literal voices. Uh, we can still use our words. So, and that's a a different technique that our that the generations before us didn't have, and certainly our ancestors didn't have. Yeah, we know the language, and that other people have the ability. Because I'm not even they they don't know how to express themselves, and besides through violence, that's yeah. what most of us honestly are taught is like aggression. Yeah. I would say most. I would say my, my upbringing and what I was around. I definitely get that part. This was a good conversation. Um, and I'm. It was. My, I thank you. Because I feel like even, even this is like therapeutic. Just yeah. like sharing my story. Yeah. The way you thought about it yesterday and how you say it today, it has a different effect each, each time you tell your story. Um, and so, yeah. All right. So on that note, I think we good. I would like to thank all of our listeners for listening and 
hopefully you will see us next time on the prayer she whispered thanks <laughs>